It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 649 for August 7th, 2020, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, I am super excited. Our guest is Dr. Helma van der Linden from the Netherlands, here to talk about how she created Bart and My Taming the Terminal book. Welcome to the show, Helma. Well, welcome. Glad to be here. So uh, Helma's been on the show before doing guest contributions. I remember a big story about a a monitor that was giving her fits, but this time she's going to be the, uh, she's going to tell us the story of how she made this happen. But on the NoSilicast, I have talked a lot about this book, Taming the Terminal, but I should give an explanation for the Chit Chat audience. Barbara Schatz and I created the Taming the Terminal podcast for this series on learning the Mac OS and Linux command line. Bart wrote a spectacular set of tutorial show notes on his website at bartb.ie. Now, I've had this dream for many years to make Taming the Terminal into a book as a surprise for Bart, but my very few attempts to do it failed spectacularly. Around Easter, I just happened to mention my dream to Helma, and she said, I bet I could do that. Now, I don't know whether she regrets making that promise, but she did do exactly that. So this is a Chit Chat Across the Pond light episode, but I'm going to put it in the program and by stealth feed as well, because it's going to be fairly nerdy. I don't expect anyone to learn from this discussion how to do what Helma did, but rather to learn what's possible and how cool it was that Helma was able to put all these pieces together. Helma and I worked on this as a GitHub project where we both posted issues for ourselves and for each other, and we worked on it in tandem. I was merely the editor of the book, but what Helma was doing behind the scenes at the time was actually a mystery to me until last week when I asked her to go through it with me, and we're going to do it again here. So, with that big preamble, before we start, is it a true statement that every single tool you used to create this book was open source or at least free, like in the case of Grammarly? Uh, Yes, I'm Dutch, so I'm looking for freebies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, good. Okay, so let's let's start walking through how this happened. Um, the the text of Taming the Terminal of all of Bart's tutorials was on his website in HTML on bartb.ie. So, yes. what format did you originally want to convert the text into? Well, um, I started off with um, uh, the PBS tutorial. PBS being the Programming by Stealth tutorial. Yes, and. Um, uh, as I um, I was listening to uh, one of your podcasts where Bart explained that he was moving his uh, programming by stealth to GitHub. So I was intrigued and I had a peek and I saw there was some... Um, the, he started from the episode he mentioned that he was going to GitHub. By the way, by going to GitHub, she means it's actually published through GitHub. It's at bartificer.net but it's actually in GitHub, which is yes, yeah, interesting. And I thought, let's chip in and do a few episodes um, previous to the first one that's available on GitHub. Oh, yeah, because he um, said, can, maybe the community can help me move these episodes over so I don't have to do all this tedium by myself. Yeah. So um, uh, I downloaded the HTML for about five episodes, um, and I thought, if I can do some nifty grab and uh, other bash uh, commands, I'll probably get to something that's reasonably easy. But, and that's converting uh, it from HTML to Markdown, that's it, it, which is the language he's going to use in GitHub. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then I quickly found out that this is a, a huge task. So I thought, 
somebody must have solved this problem before. <laughs> and um, I started looking around and uh, I found Turndown. And Turndown is written in Node.js, so JavaScript. Um, and um, I could convert it to a command line. So I thought, just let's experiment. And what it did, it uh, gave me nice, clean markdown. Ah, um, without having to do it by hand. Without having to do it by hand. And the nice thing of Turndown is that you can uh, sort of write your own rules and, um, and extend the code a little bit. So I could say, well, the div with this ID is the part that actually contains the main content. And the rest is the PBS index and the menu uh, and the sidebars. Oh, that's so right. Because when you download the whole rendered HTML, it's got all that other fluff around it. It's got things like his Flickr feed and everything else that was on that web yeah. page. Oh. Yeah. So um, when I had that, um, I could um, just convert everything to, uh, to Markdown. And I thought, well, if I can do it, in one go, so I downloaded all 84 or whatever episodes there were, um, and uh, experimented with uh, things like, can I download the images as well and the zip files? And because I could recognize uh, in the in the code when there was uh, an image, so I could say, if there's a, a rule, if there's an image, just download the image and. Um, so there was a little inconsistency there. So I had to make the names consistent because I could name use the names for the the files, the documents that would the markdown documents, but also the directories with the images and the zip oh, files. Right, right, there. right. You gotta have all yeah. that start lining up. Yeah. So it so it can be dealt with programmatically. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um uh the same went on for the, the crayon um source code. Bart has source code blocks on his website. And, and Crayon, and, for for the listeners, is a, uh, a code syntax highlighter. So certain kinds of commands get highlighted in a certain way, and it makes it a little easier to read programs when you can see this syntax highlighting. Right. Yeah. So I figured out how uh, Crayon did that in the HTML. And um, so I could use that. Uh, there was a sort of div wrapper. I could use that wrapper from here on. There is a code block, and from uh, within the code block was the actual original text area which contained the code. Okay. Yeah. So if I let Turndown do its thing, every nicely indented code would end up in one line, and there was <laughs> nothing to be read. So uh, yeah, you got to have you got to have indents in code, or you can't read it at all. True. True. So uh, I, I looked high and low, and finally I hacked uh, Turndown and uh, made sure that it would, because it already had a sort of preserve white space functionality. The only thing is it, it didn't work for the, the kind of code that um, Crayon uh, built. So I hacked Turndown to make sure that I could get the, the to the text area and get the un, the nicely indented code. 
So I'm going to I'm going to stop you for a second there. Uh, Helma has links to everything that she's talking about here in the show notes. And one of the things that uh, you'll notice is Turndown is in GitHub. So it's an open source application. So when she says she hacked it, she means that in the most polite and awesomest way, not she's an evil black ha- hacker. She went in yeah. and took this code and the license allows her to then uh, extend it. And then you put it up on GitHub in your own repository. So it's available as well. Or at the time, it wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't. Um, uh, what uh, the the nice thing to do is to uh, take the um, the turn down code, make a fork, um, add your own change, and then put it up again. Um, I didn't do that because I thought, well, this PBS convert is a one time thing, and so it's specific, for one, right? So specific, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just hack my version and uh, use that. By the way, Uh, uh, the other reason is because her repository for for what we were doing had to be super secret because Bart follows Helma on GitHub and we needed him to not know we were working on this project. So everything she was doing had to be a big fat secret. Yeah, that was for the for the taming the terminal uh, uh, stuff. Oh, that's right. That's right. This part wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The PBS is is uh, public. Um, so once I had that and I showed it to you, Alison, and to Bart, you were very excited. And then you asked me to, um, step in for the super secret project. And I (laughs) I asked it right at the right time, right? (laughs) Yeah. I thought, well, if I convert PBS convert to, uh, taming the terminal convert, uh, that shouldn't be too big of a problem. And in fact, it wasn't, um, I think I hacked it together within uh, a day or so. So I ended up with um, downloading all 37 at the time episodes, um, um, tweaked um, the code so that it would work with taming the terminal pages. And then I put it up in this super secret repo. Uh, So actually it's a private repository on GitHub. Um, And then it was Markdown. And I thought, well, I can turn Markdown into an EPUB because I found... An um, EPUB an is art- one of the standard formats for uh, electronic books. Basically, everybody yes. except for Kindle. Yes. Okay. And um, uh, so EPUB actually has an open source um, um, specification. Um, they even have an open source EPUB check that helps you to find out if your book is compliant to the specifications. Um, So I found this article that explained how to create uh, an EPUB from Markdown files using a tool called Pandoc. And Pandoc is all kind of converter from one uh, format to another. Um, But the problem was I couldn't figure out how to make one ebook from 37 single documents. Oh, okay. And um, at the time, I didn't know exactly how an EPUB looked. Uh, Turns out an EPUB is a zip file, which contains HTML and XML files to keep everything together. But Hmm. at the time, I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know how to make an EPUB. So it failed, and it failed in another way, because... Uh, the only supported source code highlighter was pigments. And pigments 
doesn't have support for built-in shell commands like ls and make dear and etc which is basically everything that's in naming the terminal yes yes so i so thought it's well, looking for like javascript code or or uh, or php or something like that it's just not looking for shell scripts true okay true okay and um um so i thought well uh, it's nice to have a source code highlighter, but if it doesn't highlight most of the source code, then what's the point? <laughs> so um, uh, I looked around and I thought, well, if I don't know how to do it, I might as well look around and see if I can find a book uh, that's uh, based on Markdown and then convert it into an EPUB or okay. another ebook. And I found uh, ProGit. ProGit. Pro yes. It's it's a book. It's uh, almost the Bible for Git. Um, uh, we should, uh, let me see if I can take a quick stab at what Git is for the, for the audience. Git is a uh, source control uh, application, if you will, or, or concept. So when you're writing code, you need to uh, freeze things that you do so that you don't mess them up and you can back up and go forward. And, and it has all kinds of options for sharing code and to multiple people working on the same thing and merging pieces back together. GitHub yeah. is, a, is a, a place you can do Git, Git stuff. So, yeah. But the underlying Git has a manual called ProGit. Yeah, okay. well, it's... Um... It's a. It's also a community project, so people can add or uh, correct things in the book. Excellent. Um, and I found um, uh, the first version of the book, and it was written in Markdown, and it used Calibre um, to uh, convert it into an EPUB. So Calibre is a desktop app you can run. Uh, that right. That's the one you're talking about. It's an open source desktop app that uh, yeah. will convert books, which is one of the ways yeah. I've done some stuff. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there is also a command line version of it, hmm. um, and I tried, but I couldn't get it to work. Um, so I I figured out what. Well, I was looking for what to do next, and um, I found that ProGit had a second version and there's the second version um uh in the readme it said um well this is the the second version the first version is archived and the second version we changed from markdown to ascii doc ascii doc okay ASCII -doc. yeah and they thought well should i change to ascii doc why um so I started reading, and I found that actually ASCII doc is two years older than Markdown. Mm. Um, and where Markdown, it. sorry, it predates it. That's interesting. Yes, it yes it predates. Um, and the original ASCII doc was written in Python, and um, it was written for um, uh, more. Uh, technical manuals, uh, long form uh, text, uh, books, um, where Markdown is more geared towards blog posts, web articles, etc. Hmm. Okay. So um, I found that in Markdown, I can't do definition lists. And a definition list is something that Bart adores and uses in the book quite often. And so what, what is a definition list again? 
Um, a definition list is basically the HTML markup for, say, a glossary. You have a word and the explanation of a word. And okay. so it's a list of words plus explanation. Okay. And, and he uses so them a lot. He uses them a lot. He and actually doesn't support it. No. And nor did the GitHub flavor markdown uh, or GFM. Uh, it doesn't support it either. Huh. Um, so I already transferred every, uh, converted every definition list into a table to have it at least look similar to what Bart's intentions were. But I felt a bit sad. I thought, well, he <laughs> likes felt them. felt dirty, I, right? <laughs> yeah, I thought he likes them and I'm just making a, a plain table out of it. Um, so when I read um, uh, ASCII Doc, uh, at least, I, I came across a project called ASCII Doctor, which is uh, an extension to ASCII Doc. And it's written in Ruby. And it's, uh, it, it extends and uh, straightens the rules of ASCII doc. Uh, ASCII doctor is written in 2013. Uh, so it's quite a little bit later. Um, but that's the one I settled on. And that was also the one that ProGit uses. And now the and reason ASCII doc can exist is because ASCII doctor must have been open source. Yeah. Both, yeah. I just want to keep hammering that home. The reason this whole thing works is because everybody gave everything away for free and all these different applications are getting melded together and moved and mutated because people gave them away in a way that they're allowed yeah. to be mutated. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> I started reading the user manual of ASCII Doctor. And um, well, it's a, it's a matter of eat your own dog food. So they build the user manual in ASCII Doctor so you could already see how it could look like. And the manual is very, very, very extensive. Mm. Um, and I liked what I read. And the more I read, the more I liked it. And finally, I decided this book is going to be in ASCII Doctor. So and ASCII Doctor or ASCII Doc? I'm, I'm getting ASCII Doctor. Okay. Because that's... ASCII Doctor um, is built upon ASCII Doc. Oh, okay. I, I had them backwards. Okay. ASCII Doc yeah. was first and ASCII Doctor. That's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, I, conver I, I found a tool called CramDoc. CramDoc. Okay. Yeah. So CramDown is a markdown flavor. And. <coughs> um, um, and the the guys from ASCII Doctor built CramDoc, which can convert CramDown into ASCII Doctor. Okay, so let me get this straight. We we start with, uh, did we start with HTML or no Markdown? What did CramDown do again? Well, CramDown is a flavor of Markdown, and oh. the 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 Markdown files I had. Um, could also be considered cram down um, because okay. I didn't use any specific feature from any specific flavor. Um, okay. So I could I could convert them as if they were cram down um, files to ASCII doctor files using cram doctor doc cram cram doc, doc. cram doc. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, By the way, it's, it's also K R A M. <laughs> in case yeah, you guys are looking for it. It's confusing. 
Um, okay. So once I had everything in ASCII doctor, I um, started to read about building an EPUB and a PDF because there are um, special tools to build them. And I did a first quick test and it worked. I got an actual EPUB that I could open in Apple Books and, and it looked nice. Ah. So, um, and then I, I started reading and um, EPUB has something they, they call the spine, which is basically the main document. And that sort of gives uh, um, the table of contents. So which chapters are there and, and in which order are the documents. And uh, that one holds um, special um, metadata like, of course, the title and the author, but also things like uh, which source code highlighter do I use and where do I set the TOC? Uh, TOC because, being table of contents, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, you, you can decide where you want the table of contents. And uh, if you use the HTML version, you can even say, I want it on the left side or on the right side. Or oh, whatever. yeah, right. Because So she's not only creating an EPUB version, but a PDF version and an HTML version. And we'll get into what we had to do for the Kindle, too. Uh, so yeah. you're, you're being able with this spine to be able to say where things go and, and what it looks like when it's rendered. Yeah. Yeah, at first I I noticed um, I had to use pigments as source code highlighter for the EPUB, oh. and I could use Rouge for the PDF and the HTML. Okay, wait and a now where did Rouge come from? Rouge is another source code highlighter, also open source, also written in Ruby, and I already noticed that Bart uses Rouge in his um, programming by stealth website. Oh, uh, okay. So we, I, we've, we skipped over that back when you found out pigment wasn't going to work for uh, things like bash grips. That's when you yeah. started using rouge. We actually never solved that problem back there. <laughs> well, I didn't solve it back then. Oh, I, okay. I started to solve it when I had ASCII Doctor because I also read ASCII Doctor supports four different source code highlighters. Okay. Okay. And um, uh, the build script uh, of the Pro Git book already contained the code to build a PDF, an ebook, a Kindle, an HTML file. So I basically copied that, adjusted it to what I needed for the Taming the Terminal book, and suddenly I had not just an EPUB, but also a PDF. And um, I left out the Kindle for a while and an HTML file. So when when I was first dreaming of this, uh, one of the things I tried to do was to to um, uh, trick. Oh shoot! All of a sudden, her name is escaping me. Uh, she wrote iOS Access for All. Shelly Brisbane. I tried to trick yeah. Shelly Brisbane into helping me create this book because she had just yeah. produced uh, an ebook uh, that she sells a spectacular book for uh, mm -hmm. uh, accessibility on iOS, and. Uh, when, when I talked to her about it, she said the worst thing in the world, the bane of her existence, if you want to make her swear like a sailor, say PDF to her. Because she said it was horrible trying to create the PDF. And uh, by the way, I, she, she wouldn't do it for me. And I even offered to pay her to teach me to do it. And she said, no, it's so horrible. I don't even want to do that. So, But you were able to create the PDF just basically for free after doing the other 400 hours of work up front. Yeah, yeah, it's um, actually so 
uh, ASCII Doctor has two uh, separate projects. One builds an EPUB and one builds um, a PDF. Um, and um, when I went into the PDF to do some theming, to make it look more like Bart's uh, PBS web website, I noticed I could change the page size. So I actually created two versions of the PDF, one based on A4 and one based on letter size. Oh, that's so, great. So you were basically localizing it even, yeah. even at that point, but not having to yeah. recreate anything, not having to do any work to do that. You were able to just put that in the code to say, make this and make this. Um, I should look up how exactly I did it, but it's basically, um, I think I said, include this file um, as theming file for the PDF for the A4 version and build the A4 version and include this uh, a directory structure or whatever, I can't remember what I did, um, and build the US version, which is letter-based. You know what I love about that was uh, I've been so focused on this being an electronic book that it never occurred to me until you said that, that a lot of people would really like to print books out, right? You'd like to have a physical yeah. hard copy. You could have this be a manual that you could scribble on with your own notes of don't forget this and put little post-it notes. And there's yeah. there's something you lose going away from analog that you actually get back with the fact yeah. that this is a book now. Yeah. And you guys have that mutant page size and you guys can go make your silly little A4s and the U.S. <laughs> can use their eight and a half by 11. <laughs> Yeah, or the other way around. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I, yeah. don't, I don't want to forget, uh, it looks like in the show notes you may have skipped over talking about uh, grammar and spelling. Or did you want to oh, come yeah. back to that? Um, um, at first, um, well, I noticed reading through Bart's original HTML that there was some typos somewhere. Uh, so I think Shocked. it was... I don't have any typos in my work at all, so I can't <laughs> believe you have that. But okay, he did. Um, yeah, so uh, at times I thought, well, are we making it uh, a book exactly as the HTML or are we going to enhance it? But I couldn't resist. So I think it was when I still had markdown files that I threw each and every one of them through Grammarly and check for the typos. Grammarly is a, a, a free web service. You can uh, have it run in your browser. You can actually download an app for the desktop. Uh, I know there's one for the Mac. I presume there's one for, for Windows as well. Um, I run it on, believe it or not, even though my website is full of typos, I run it every single time I post an article. Uh, and it finds a whole lot of mistakes each time. Some of it I argue with, but some of it I agree with. Um, in fact, I'll often take my arguments with it and I'll write to Sandy Foster and say, hey, is, are they right or am I right? And lots of times I win. Uh, <laughs> but then in addition to you doing that, w did that happen before I went through and started proofreading? Yes, um, okay. because um, there were some... I'm not a native speaker of English. So there were some words that I was thinking about. Should it be one L in installment or two? And should it be um, reinstall with a hyphen or not? And so I was kind of, meh, I don't know what Didn't to do. Didn't want to so, change all of those. Yes. Every, every one of them, I was in doubt. I just left them in. And I thought, well, we'll see about that. Maybe I would change Bart's voice if I would change them. And I didn't want to do that. 
So no, I had no trouble with that. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I went through and and proofread, uh, read every single page. Caught uh, the only sad part is nobody proofread what I wrote in the book, and there's already a mistake in the forward that uh, we have to fix in the next revision. Um, oh, okay. Nobody checked me. Which was... I, I did. I did read it. But... So, oh, you did. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Grammarly didn't apparently. Um, but anyway, uh, I went through and read every word and fixed the hyphens where they shouldn't be. I left that single L in installment and it and it burns my eyes because in the U.S. it's two L's. But uh, in British English, it's uh, it's one L. Um, yeah. You know, the user and favorite uh, where they belong in color and words like that. But uh, uh, and then I actually went through and tested every command. As well, yeah. Even if yeah. it, you know, I could look at it and see it says, "Oh, ls space dash al." I would still yeah. copy that and paste it into um, the terminal. And there were two reasons for that. One was to look for mistakes in the code, which there was a total of one in the entire book, um, and I fixed that. But uh, and actually, it was in one of the most recent episodes. But um, the the reason I did that, the other reason I did that was not just to see if Bart did it right, because obviously he probably did, but because the terminal changed, uh, the the uh, default shell changed from bash to zsh, and I wanted to see if I could find any places where the commands didn't work, excuse me, in uh, in zsh. So yeah. we were able to to cover both sides with the first pass with Grammarly and then a human doing the checking after that. Yeah, yeah. And I I admire you for your patience and thoroughness to do all that, because I thought, okay, well, you know, I have to change something, and then I do a, a global search and replace. I throw in some regular expression, and that's it. Five <laughs> minutes later, I'm done. If you guys want and to know why the book took four months, I believe about two and a half months of that was me slowing Helma down. <laughs> and she never nagged me like, hey, dude, you haven't read it. You haven't read a chapter in like four days. Get on the stick. <laughs> I don't understand why you didn't nag me. but Oh, I, I, I spend the time trying to figure out the theme and uh, trying to figure out all kinds of other things. Actually, I spend, I think, probably more than a week or two on trying to fix the line numbers in the source code. Oh, what in the wrong source there? Code. Well, um, the way uh, I finally settled on Rouge because Rouge was apparently uh, supported in the EPUB as well. So uh, I thought, well, Bart has nice line numbers in his source code. Let's put in line numbers because after all, it was just an attribute in the, uh, in the source code block definition. And um, but it turned out that the way the line numbers were generated, um, they wouldn't take into account long lines of code that would wrap oh. around. Oh, so the wrap would get a new line number when it shouldn't. Yeah. So if if you would have ten long lines that would all wrap around, then the total would be twenty lines. Oh. And just the first 10 would get their line number. So it would look very, very odd. Yeah. Um, and it turned out it was the way uh, Rouge built it up with a, a table. Um, so I found some code on how to uh, to put it in, how to change the way the table was rendered. So you would have a row with one cell, a number, and the other cell, um, one line of code. They're actually uh, tables. They're actually tables. Oh, yeah. wow. 
Huh. That's an interesting solution. Yeah, so the, the current implementation is you have two cells in a table. One contains all the line numbers. One, uh, uh, it, it's actually a number space, number space, number space, etc. And if you make that first cell very small, the lines appear, the, the, the numbers appear um, vertically. Okay. And the, and the other cell contains the actual code. Okay. So I rewrote everything. Uh, and made it uh, a, a row per uh, source code line with uh, a number before it. And it actually worked, and I was quite proud. I could get the uh, unit tests working as well, because there were unit tests in the code, in the ASCII doctor code. Oh. Um, but eventually I broke something else that was quite vital. Um, you had um, There is a possibility to add little circles with numbers, to your source code. So, and then below you could make a sort of footnote below mm. your source code block. So this line means this, and I want to say more about this line, etc. Okay. And I broke that feature. And I thought, well, there is no way I can propose my change to the ASCII doctor project if I break a feature. Right. And I couldn't Even though Bart didn't use that feature. No. Um, okay. Bart didn't use it, and we didn't use it in the Taming the Terminal uh, 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 book. But I also had a problem how to figure out how to use my version of the ASCII Doctor framework using it in the PDF and the EPUB version. Because oh, without it's having all, to rewrite all that. <laughs> yeah, it, uh. it's Ruby, and I was learning Ruby as I went along. <laughs> Yeah, you knew some Ruby beforehand, right? Uh, I've seen some Ruby before. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You were learning yeah. Ruby. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, finally, I think I, I just froze the project because I wasn't getting anywhere. So, I left out all the uh, the line numbers in the code blocks where, um, uh, where they would look odd. Uh, so, that's okay. why some of the code blocks have numbers and some of them don't. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, maybe someday in the middle of the night, you'll, you'll dream up the solution to it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what I did notice that Bart every now and then, Bart used this, used the word highlight, uh, look at the code I highlighted. And yeah. I had already seen that some of his code blocks actually had the, the words strong, uh, in them, okay. uh, like the HTML uh, tag strong, that just makes it look um, bold. Yeah, it should have made it look bold, but actually in the crayon, there was the word strong. So okay. it wasn't rendered properly in his website. Oh. So I went through all the source code blocks, figured out where this strong was, uh, read up on the on the text below and above to see if it made sense to highlight it. Because ASCII Doctor has a very easy way of highlighting lines in oh. a code block. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I, I went all through all of those and I, I added the appropriate highlight and the and the lines that should be highlighted. And yeah, and most of the time you didn't need the line numbers. You could do with the highlight. Oh, very, very cool. All right. So what happened what happened next? We've got the spine. 
Now you start. You started talking something about a rake file the first time you told me about this, and I I didn't really follow what the heck a rake file was and what what well, problem you solved with it. Well, a, a rake file is actually the name of a Ruby make file. A make file is uh, something that comes from C programs. It's actually your build script. So you, usually, before when you get from source code to a program, you have to do uh, a few steps. So what they did, programmers are lazy people, like sysadmins. When they have to do something often, they just write a script that mm -hmm. does it for them. So uh, so programmers did that to, to convert their code into a, a, a program. Into and an that's executable? Called, yeah. Okay. So, uh, and that's what they called a build script. Okay. And... Um, and you put in all these teeny tiny things that you don't want to forget before otherwise your executable won't run or you miss um, the icon or whatever. So uh, the pro git book had this rake file. So I just copied it and changed it to use. And that's the one that uh, has the instructions on how to build the HTML file, the EPUB, the PDF, the US okay. version of the PDF, etc. Okay, so the rake file actually builds all of these different formats, right? Yeah. So I say, uh, I'll type in bundle exec rake, which is the Ruby term of start this rake file. Mm -hmm. And um, and then it builds all of them for me. Okay, and it, cool. takes about, it takes about three minutes. Is that running uh, locally on your Mac? Yes. Okay, okay. All right. Now, at this point, though, we we don't have the uh, we don't have the Kindle version. No. Um, what what I did want to do before well, the Kindle version wasn't in sight. I tried okay. uh, at first, um, and I couldn't get the Kindle version to work on my laptop. So I decided I'll just comment that code out, okay. and uh, we'll see later. So we'll circle back to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, as you started to proofread, I thought, well, it would be nice if you could have a look at the final result. Mm -hmm. um, and since we have many different time zones between us, mm -hmm. that would mean you probably work when I sleep and the other way around. Um, so I thought, well, uh, first I started to explain to you what tools and bells and whistles you would need to install to run my build script. And I quickly learned she's not going to do that. <laughs> so I have to figure out a way to give her the end result without me running the, the, um, the build script every time. So I decided, you know, I can put it up on GitHub because GitHub has what they call continuous integration, which are tools that just um, run your build script for you. Oh, and okay. every every big project has a continuous integration. And uh, so they, uh, it's basically uh, when you, you, you can trigger uh, an action and a trigger could be a commit or uh, a tag or something manual. And then the action that you defined, it will run all the steps and then the end result, uh, in, in our case, the end result is running the build script and putting all the uh, versions of the book as a release on GitHub. 
So is that running uh, locally on your machine and then pushing it up to GitHub? No. Uh, at first, I um, well, I wanted to experiment because I've never built a GitHub action before, uh, and I so you found. That. <laughs> uh, so I had to learn that, yeah. Uh, and I found uh, an example using Veil, uh, and Veil is a is a linter for spell checking. So what's a linter? A linter <laughs> is um, actually linter is from lint. You know the little dust. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, a linter uh, checks your source code for bugs and suspicious code and uh, things you shouldn't be doing or th things that could probably be wrong and gives you um, things like you forgot a semicolon at the end of a line. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then, um, well, actually, modern uh, program editors like VS Code, they, they use linters to um, mark up your code. Okay. And... And um, the really nifty ones uh, can just change your code uh, already. So you don't have to remember you left out the semicolon. They just put it in there for you. Okay. So when I'm using VS Code and I'm getting all those uh, little squiggly lines, that's the linter? That's the linter. Okay. Yeah. So and Veil is a linter for spell checking. Oh, Okay. So um, what are you using Veil for? I've already spell-checked it. Grammarly's already spell-checked it. Yeah, but th there was this, this um, um, th there was, of course, the time where you were still on episode one or two, <laughs> and I was putting up 37. Um, Told so, you she was waiting for me. <laughs> so I thought, well, um, I can uh, check uh, how a GitHub action works by doing this spell-check. And I also I um, also thought well if if Phil can find the first round of typos very quickly, then it saves you guys like Bart and you time to find out the 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 more subtle typos. Okay. And um, so I I put it in and uh, I think I started off with about five hundred errors. And some of them were actually typos, and some of them were just, you know, jargon words that weren't, um, uh, that were specific to the book. Like no silicast. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, Fail had this, uh, this uh, file called vocab.txt, where you could put in words that should be um, recognized as Basically correct. Basically a vocabulary that makes sense within this context. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and over time, I just added words, and uh, every now and then I would see that Veil uh, failed and found some errors. So I went in, checked, no, this, this is a proper word. Uh, if not, I would check it. Uh, I would Google it and figure out if it's a typo or, uh, or a correct word, but, you know, only for the book. Okay. And then if it's not a typo, I would go in and add it to the vocab.txt. And Veil, and then, again, is a GitHub project. Uh, Veil is a GitHub project, and it uses the Huntspell dictionary, which is an open source dictionary, and which is also used in LibreOffice and, and such. Wow. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So, so now you got to uh, run, you got to do this build script still, right? Yes, I have. And um, I looked for uh, a build script in ProGit, um, and they used Travis, 
which is another um, continuous integration tool. Um, but I already knew I could use GitHub Action and I saw lots of complaints about Travis not doing what they wanted. So I thought, well, let's stick to GitHub Actions. And uh, lots of Googling later, I had my build script. <laughs> and um, so what it does is uh, it actually builds a virtual machine with Ubuntu. Um, and it's um, in, the, in the GitHub, where well, they call it a workflow. So the GitHub action e executes a workflow. And that starts off with building a virtual machine uh, in Ubuntu, then install all the tools I told it to install, uh, check out my code, uh, run the build script, um, and the build script ends with all the, the PDF and uh, HTML and EPUB, etc put everything up in the release section of GitHub, of the repository, and throw away the virtual machine. Wow. It's doing that all. Uh, it, so this just amazes me. I came from a, a, a world where to get a server, you you wrote up a justification, you got the budget approved, you, you created yeah. a purchase order, yeah. hardware got delivered, a sysadmin was deployed to go put it together. This is actually doing it real time, just like I need a virtual server, spin it up, run the code, close it down. Yes, yes. That's bananas. And, uh, that is bananas. I love that. I, yeah, I, I um, actually, that's the, that build script takes about three to four minutes. And two of them are spent uh, setting up the virtual machine, downloading all the uh, software that should be installed, uh, uh, downloading the uh, the code. And then it takes one minute to just build the script and, and th throw everything away. Yeah. Wow. Now, I want to say something uh, really nice about Microsoft. Microsoft owns GitHub or, or yes. operates GitHub. Yeah. So they're they're. They're supporting all of the infrastructure to do that. That is that is so cool. Yeah. Wow. So, what 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 language is this workflow written in? Um. Well, they use YAML to define the um, the steps. YAML. Uh, y a m l. Yes. Okay. It's uh, actually it's a recursive acronym. It's uh, YAML ain't markup language. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Yeah. So it's um, uh, it's like JSON. Um, actually, uh, the specifications for YAML and JSON are uh, aligned so that JSON is a subset of YAML. Hmm. I thought it was the other way around, but I read up and uh, it's actually um, JSON is a subset of YAML. And there are lots of converters to, to convert YAML into JSON and JSON into YAML. So these are just sort of key value pair sort of things, right? Yeah, um, and structures and um, um, uh, dictionaries. And uh, so basically, uh, if you would look at the workflow file, you would find an entry called steps and then a dash uh, saying this is the first item in the steps array. And the first step is, say, uh, install Ruby. And the second step is install all kinds of Ruby plugins. And the okay. third step is uh, download the Git repository. Okay, so it's it's a very data-oriented language then. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, more or less like JSON. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. 
So what, what happens next? Um, well, when I had all this in place, um, uh, somewhere along the line, you asked for QR codes. Uh, yeah, I think we... that came up in the when we started talking about the context of a of an ebook for the Kindle is one of the things I'm of course very proud of is the fact that the podcast is also part of this book. Bart again did the 98% of the heavy lifting writing all the tutorials, but the podcast yeah. episodes go with it so that you can listen yes. and, and learn from yeah. the conversation yeah. about it. But yeah. if you're on a Kindle, you can't play it, there there is an experimental browser, but it won't play audio links. So you can't click the link. You have to have some other way to listen to it. And and the idea yeah. we had was, what if you could point your phone at the QR code on your Kindle yeah. and you could listen on your phone while reading on your Kindle? That might be experience, an experience you liked. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you asked, can we do QR codes? And I thought, oh my God, I have to figure out the entire QR code spec. Ah, but it turns out that's it. easy, right? There's yeah, it was uh, there are uh, there was a little uh, Node.js um, uh, command line tool that could generate a QR code. It could even you could even give it the pixel size and the color. So um, at first I chose red because everything was red, and then we thought about theming it like PBS. So Bart's website is blue. So I thought, okay, I'll find a nice color of blue. And add the, um, the QR code in blue. So I wrote a little shell script wrapper that would take all of the URLs of the MP3 files and generate all the QR codes. And then uh, the only thing I had to do is add the QR code markup in the ASCII doctor files. That worked really well. That was, uh, you know, it, it was kind of funny. I told Helma that one of my, we, we were tracking all of the issues and action items and stuff in GitHub, which was a great way to do it. I should do it to myself in my own programming projects, but I don't. Uh, I scribble notes places. But uh, anyway, we kept track of what each other was to do. And I gave myself an action item to test every QR code to make sure it pointed to the right file. And I did yeah. that because I do that for my own stuff because of how often I screw up. And Helma was kind of like, well, how could it be wrong? You know, I did this programmatically, right? But I still went through and tested every single one of those to make sure when I clicked it, this really was taming the terminal 27A, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and what I also liked is ASCII Doctor supports um, asides. Bart often uses asides, and um, what ASCII Doctor does, it, it, it sets the, the text actually aside. It offsets the text from the main uh, body, but you can also give it uh, an icon, and you can say this is a note, or this is a tip, or this is important. And then because I could say use the font awesome icons, you actually you get the um, you get an icon that sort of offsets the entire um, text and makes it much more visible than just the little word aside uh, somewhere in the text. Yeah, yeah. And those are those are nice because sometimes it's an alert, like you really need to pay attention here. In, in yes. fact, there were a couple of things where Bart went back and, and updated a, a lesson because something dramatic had changed. Uh, yeah. Like like the the uh, Unix command uh, screen has been deprecated and he's now teaching us about Tmux. So he went back to the screen episodes and changed and put in a, an alert that says, hey, 
basically yeah. ignore everything I said here and go forward and, and start learning about tea mugs. Yeah. Yeah, and that that is another nice thing uh, I noticed in ASCII Doctor. You can you can use a sort of shorthand code to link to another chapter in the book. I tested all of those too, Helma. Yeah, sure, sure. Because <laughs> I'm uh, like, I mean, what if she said go back to twenty seven, but it actually went back to twenty three? That would be irritating. So I did test those too. I'm just yeah. trying to make it sound like I did a lot of work. That's what I'm trying to. Well, do. you did. You did. <laughs> You you were very thorough, because I I I'm not that patient. I can't do all that. I, it would have taken at least four more months for me to go all through <laughs> all these thirty seven episodes. I do have to admit that after a while, I just learned the syntax of ASCII Doctor, and I would look at it and go, "Yep, she did it right." I stopped clicking yeah. them because it was really tedious to click them because then I had to go back forward in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What uh, is there anything else we need to talk about here? What else? Uh, you you just wanted to talk a little bit about the Ask ASCII Doctor Project itself. Yes, um, those guys are. I think they are really awesome because I've been um, asking uh, questions in other source code projects, and um, whenever I uh, uh, asked a, a question, they would say. If you don't understand the underlying techniques, please go and learn that for before you come and ask us questions. Oh, I hate that. But um, the ASCII doctor, well, actually the project lead and um, the the actual author of the ASCII doctor uh, software, he responded very quickly and he offered, I had a problem uh, where um, uh, the spine didn't work out and uh, all the stuff was jumbled. And and so he offered to have a look at the repository. And I said, well, uh, it's a private repository uh, for various reasons. And uh, the only thing I can give you, uh, I can have you take a look is by making you a contributor. Oh, that's fine. I won't meddle with it. I just, I'll just have a look and I'll uh, give you some pointers. Wow, that's so, so cool. It's like he gave you yeah. private lessons. Yeah, so so he uh, actually had a look and he said, well, you should update to a newer version because the ProGit guys still use an older version of ASCII Doctor oh. and there is a new version. And if you use the new version, that's actually the, uh, the version that's uh, written about in the user manual. So I found some discrepancies where the user manual said you can do this. And my version of ASCII Doctor couldn't do that. And then it turned out I had an older version of ASCII Doctor. Oh. And he also said, you might want to change the, I can't remember what it was, but some details that would make um, uh, the process go much smoother. And it did. So it worked. <laughs> and when I asked him, um, you know, in the user manual, you say, in the source code highlighter, if you use rouge and you use this attribute, you will get um, uh, line numbers in a different way. Uh, there were two versions of line numbers. One was called table and one was called inline. I said, well, the inline version doesn't work. And he said, you're right. I'll change the manual and ask, add that it's... <laughs> not implemented oh. <laughs> damn that's not the one that's not the answer i want to hear no. but at least um and one of the other guys who built the epub um, um converter 
um, I went in and and wrote an issue and said, you know, um, all these MP3 files, they are external, and but they they don't show up in the EPUB version in the manifest. And the manifest is basically uh, the spine. It's an XML file that holds all uh, images and, and chapters and etc. Okay. And according to the EPUB specifications, which I had to learn, <laughs> the um, the MP3 files should show up there. So he built a new version for me and he dedicated the version to me. Wow. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so cool. You know, thinking about this, this, maybe this is just giving you more work to do, but I, I, I sort of feel like a fun, uh, I don't know what they call on a book, maybe it's the afterword, where we just yeah. list out all of the different open source projects that made this possible. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Wouldn't that be yeah. kind of, I mean, because you've got all the links in here now. I think that would be really cool. Uh, one of the interesting things for me was, um, well, of course, the best day ever the second best day ever was the day it got published in the bookstore, in the Apple bookstore. Yes. But the best yeah. day ever was when we got to tell Bart. And so yeah. uh, Steve, who made the logo and had lived through watching me be so excited about this book, and Helma and I got on a Skype call with Bart. And uh, so seeing him learn about the book was just like best day ever. Um, yeah. Because he was so thrilled and so excited. Uh, but Helma was trepidatious about this meeting because she was going to have to tell Bart that it wasn't written in Markdown. So here was all this great content, which, by the way, uh, uh, the byproduct of this book is that now all of the chapters of Taming, of Taming the Terminal can go right into bartificer.net, ttt.bartificer.net. So you can now see all of this content directly on yep. the web. But that meant he wasn't going to be allowed to write in his precious markdown that he is in love with. And so he was going to have to learn ASCII doctor. And so, you know, that was that was a concern. But describe yeah. describe what happened instead. He thought, okay, well, that makes sense. And then he went on. I thought, oh, my God, this is almost an anticlimax. <laughs> I, I, was, I was really worried. And I thought, well, you know, Bart, if you write in Markdown, I can still convert it to ASCII Doctor and fix all the little things and details to make it look the same as the other ones. And, you know, it's just. Yeah, but that wasn't his but, reaction uh, at all. It, she started yeah. explaining the syntax, and uh, she brought up a chapter. We were looking at it and how it was written and everything, and she jumped immediately to one of the most complex parts. So a lot of it is just, oh, this is the way a link looks instead of the way you know. It's just a slight difference yeah. in syntax from yeah. one to the other. Yeah. I would have started with the real simple stuff. She jumps right into this like if then else statement thing that has to go in that causes this whole different thing to happen depending on whether you're publishing to which format and all this. And I yeah. said, oh, helmet, helmet, don't start with the complicated stuff. And Bart goes, no. That's the good stuff. And he said, and I just like went, okay, I'm going to sit back and just watch. Cause it was, and it, I had, I didn't understand pretty much anything the two of you talked about for the next 10 minutes, but he was in heaven. He was like, I'm learning something new. This is really cool. Look what this can do. This is awesome. Yeah. And uh, what, what he also liked, um, uh, sort of because I started uh, to, to make a build script, it became more like a software project rather than a book publishing project. And he liked that because you're treating the publishing of a book on software development as if it's a software project. Yeah. 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 yeah, and yeah that yeah. was that was exactly what we were we were trying to achieve with that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
and what another piece that I thought was really fun about that was that Bart has been really trying to encourage me to learn Git and to try to understand GitHub and and the workflow and and he hasn't had time to really teach me about it. But secretly behind the curtain, Helma's been teaching me all this stuff and I've been learning how to. Well, I still don't know how to merge files and stuff. I'm still terrified of that I make her get on the uh, on Skype with me every time I have to do it. But I was learning the benefits of this whole technology that he wanted me to know. And we unveiled the fact that I've been working on a software project all this time. It just happens to be that the output is a book when we're done. Yeah. 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 And that's that. I thought that was cool because when you you started talking about the Kindle, I think it was about two hours later that we had a Kindle version. Yeah. And um, uh, because the the basis the it was already there, and the only thing I had to do is uncomment the um, the code in the rake file, and um, because the EPUB converter could also convert to Kindle format, um, it was it was something like uh, one hour to uh, build a Kindle book. Um, which, of course, didn't work on my laptop, only in the GitHub actions. Um, and um, and the other hour was spent on figuring out why it didn't want to build at first until we found out that we had to take out the audio player. Yeah. So th- and, and that was part of this if then else stuff is she figured out yeah. that she could put in in the in the book in the in the in the uh, ASCII doctor files it says things like if this is is uh, a not a kindle version then put yeah. the html5 player in here and yeah. and uh, we also discovered when i tried to publish the book to apple books that they would not allow the html5 player either so mm-hmm. those those two book formats there's actually two epub versions one with the audio files which runs yeah. perfectly fine in apple books you just can't yeah. have it in the Apple Books store. And so yeah. uh, she's got two different versions for that. So one submitted to Apple, and that's fine. But if you want the one that's got the nice HTML5 player and doesn't open it separately in a browser, then you want to get the one from the GitHub repository. But this yeah. if-then-else stuff fixed everything. You were able to just yeah. splat out all the versions and not have to do yeah. any changes from each each build. Yeah. And, th- and there were some, some uh, uh, little quirks as well, because... Um, because of the font used, no, the, the font rendering in the PDF is slightly different than the font rendering in the EPUB and the HTML file. So in the HTML file and in the EPUB, I could use the Apple command key symbol, you know, like the clover. Um, but the EPUB, uh, the PDF, didn't, didn't use, couldn't handle that. So I would get this this little uh, rectangular block. Oh. So um, I I used uh, an if then else statement um, to um, to say if it's not an e- if it's not a PDF, use the Apple command key symbol, and if it's a PDF, use uh, the the letter CMD for command. So um, back to the programmers being lazy. That's perfect, yeah. right? You've got a one yeah. line command in there that just says when you build it for this, go that way. And when you build it for that, then go that way. Yeah. And you don't have to do. So yeah. now if Bart, uh, when Bart does TTT chapter 40, that's coming up uh, next week, I think you yeah. won't have to do a lot of faffing about to add that to the book, correct? 
True. The only thing I have to do is just, you know, like straighten it up, like uh, uh, put in the audio block and, and put in some links and, and uh, the include for the variables so that the keyboard um, macros show up as nice keyboard shortcut. Great. Yeah. All uh, that. So the, one of the things we need to figure out how to do is how to let people know when there is a new version. Uh, if if yeah. you got if you get the book from the Apple Bookstore, I think you'll get an update. I guess. Yes. I think that yeah. works. But if you get it from the GitHub project, you won't necessarily be notified. So I think we're going to do some sort of newslettery kind of thing where you can sign up, and I'll just shoot out a, a yeah. newsletter whenever there's a new chapter. I haven't done that yet. I probably should do that soon um, because people are probably downloading. Uh, the project is now at uh, TTT. No, it's where is it? TTT.bartificer.net. No, that's how you yeah, see that, the content. Yeah. Well, the, the repository. I I first I made the repository public, and then I could hand over the ownership to Bart. So the project itself, the GitHub repository, is on GitHub Bartificer taming the terminal. But okay, I. Right. In the build script, I made sure that the HTML version was on the GitHub pages, which you can reach at ttt.bartvisa.net. Ah, and if you just if you want to see all the different links to all the different ways you can download it, I've got a rather ugly looking but fully functional page at uh, podfeedcom book. Now, before we close out, and thank you so much for all of this, I want to read uh, to the audience what Alistair Jenks said about the book. He said, we both know the quality of the original content, but I have to say this version really does it justice. Without prior knowledge, I'd not find it hard to believe this was from O'Reilly or such. I mean, if that isn't a compliment to your work and to the quality of the end product, I don't know what is. That, I, th I yeah. hope that makes you as happy as it made me. It, it was. I was, I was really, I was blushing when I read, when I read your um, quote. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and telling us about this fabulous project. I had the best time. We got to figure out something else to collaborate on soon. If people <laughs> wanted to connect with you any particular way, the Slack group, Twitter, anything like that? Uh, the the Slack group. Um, I'm actually, I'm not very, um, I'm not on Twitter. Uh, I'm barely on Facebook. <laughs> so the Slack group would be the best way. Okay, yeah. so podfeet.com slash Slack. And in there, I think you're actually Helma. I think so too, yeah. It might even yeah. be your whole name. I'm not sure. But if you look for Helma, yeah. she's the only one in there. Yeah. Thanks yes, so I much am. for the time. This was really fun. I, I enjoyed learning about it and getting the uh, the depth to it. And yay, open yeah. source. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Without the open source, this wouldn't have been possible. All right. Thanks it's for coming on the show, Helma. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says Support the Show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSillaCast ways learn from you. 
If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other No Silla Castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.